Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Happy Lord's Day, everybody. Pro-Life Leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life, joining you live this morning for our time of prayer and delving into the Word of God. Um, Great to have you with us. People are coming on. I see your comments. Leave your prayer intentions, if you wish. Questions, reflections, insights. Uh, I understand that yesterday some of you had problems, uh, those that were on the YouTube, uh, for some reason... uh, I thought all the buttons had been clicked, but the one YouTube channel wasn't. So, But you're here with us today, so uh, sorry for that inconvenience. Uh, obviously, all of our past scripture reflections are indeed posted, not only on YouTube, but uh, we have a special webpage, thebibleandabortion.com. Uh, in case you don't know about that, you can see all the past uh, programs, thebibleandabortion.com. Okay, let's put ourselves in the presence of the Lord and pray for one another and delve into His Word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, your Son, Jesus Christ, rose on the third day. On this Sunday, we again rejoice in that resurrection. It is the victory of life. We in the pro-life effort are not just working for victory as something far off in the future. We are working from victory as an historical reality already accomplished in the past and brought into the present through our union with the Savior. So we thank you, Father, for the death and resurrection of Christ by which He has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through His gospel. Jesus Christ, once raised from the dead, never dies again. Death has no more power over Him, and therefore it has no more power over His body, the church, no more power over us. The power of death and therefore the power of abortion have been conquered. We thank You, Father, for this starting point. Now it it is up to us now to proclaim to celebrate and to serve this victory of life, this gospel of life. Lord, we know that we have gone very far down the path of the culture of death, and we repent of that today as individuals and as a nation. And as your word tells us today, when we do repent, we begin a new life that cancels out the past. We will find life even if in the past we have embraced death, but now have repented. We thank you, Lord, for this gift of repentance. We ask that those that are, are, are even not even aware that they need to or desiring that they should would be changed and would experience your grace and salvation today. Bless us now as we delve into your word through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. All right, so I want to take this first reading and the gospel reading because they, they illumine one another. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord, 
You say the Lord's way is not fair. Hear now, house of Israel. Is it my way that is unfair, or rather, are not your ways unfair? When someone virtuous turns away from virtue to commit iniquity and dies, it is because of the iniquity he committed that he must die. But if he turns from the wickedness he has committed and does what is right and just, he shall preserve his life. Since he has turned away from all the sins that he has committed, he shall surely live. He shall not die. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This Gospel passage is from Matthew 21. Jesus said to the chief priests and elders of the people, What is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He said in reply, I will not. But afterwards changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said in reply, Yes, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did his father's will? They answered, The first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him, but tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe in Him. So you see, brothers and sisters, there is this historical context first. That those who professed the covenant, those who were practicing the faith, those who, like the first son said, uh, uh, rather like the... uh, uh, the second son said, yes, I will, I will follow, later did not do the will of God. Remember, the will of God, as Jesus said, is to believe in the one he sent. That is the will and the work of God. Accept the son, let the son transform you and make you sons and daughters of God. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. They said yes, they had the practices of religion and the externals, and they in fact did what they had to do for a while, but didn't follow it through. You did not change your minds and believe. But those who had never said yes to the ways of God, had not practiced the covenant, were in a life of godlessness, When hearing John preach the way of repentance and point out the Lamb of God, they changed their minds and said, well, instead of rejecting the will of God, we're going to accept it. And they came into the way of salvation. Now, historically, this is showing the difference between those who are claiming virtue and and living religiously and those who are not. And it's also showing the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. The people of the covenant, in large part, ended up rejecting Christ. And then the gospel message went to the Gentiles. Those who, again, had not known God at all and came right into the new covenant 
by baptism into Christ. So first saying no to the will of God, later they said yes. Jesus is saying, you're in a better position if you do it that way. Rather than saying yes and then ending up not doing it. Here is holiness. Union with the will of God. That's what this first reading is talking about. You know, it's amazing, just as this reading begins talking about God being unfair, it's amazing how people with no faith so easily fall into this trap that they think they can judge God. Oh, it's not fair. Yeah, we all understand the feeling of life being not fair when bad things happen to good people or, or, or good people... Uh, get sick or or a family loses a father or a mother or you know terrible things happen that 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 don't that don't make any sense and we can say this is offensive this doesn't make sense this is sad but we can't say to god you're unfair you know sometimes people are tempted to to talk about that we're talking to god we're talking to, to the Almighty. He doesn't owe us anything. He is the standard of fairness, not us. He's sovereign. This is what people don't appreciate enough. He is the sovereign Lord. He did not have to make us. The very fact that we exist already means God Himself is going way beyond what He owes us. He didn't have to make us. He wasn't forced to create us. Nobody can say, when He didn't have to create us at all, then nobody who's been created can say to the one who created him or her, you're not fair. Because everything we have, including our ability to say that, is a pure gift from Him. So there's no fairness here. No, no measurement against which we can compare God. So that's point number one. But then the Lord is getting here to the point of what we deserve for our sins. We deserve death. Death came into the world because of sin. But then He gives us the hope. If you turn from the wickedness you have committed and do what is right and just, you will preserve your life. There are two scriptures I think of when hearing that. First of all, in Isaiah, though your sins be like scarlet, they may become white as wool. Come now, let us set things right, says the Lord. This is the first chapter of Isaiah. Beautiful passage, right? Because he's saying to the people in that passage, your hands are full of blood. He's speaking to a culture of death. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves clean. This is the prophet Isaiah. Now, this is, of course, before even Christ came, God is foretelling this salvation, speaking His mercy. Wash yourselves clean. In other words, we've all fallen short, as Paul says, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We've aborted God's will in our own lives. Sometimes we have fallen very far for a very long time. And our culture and our whole society has fallen very far for a very long time. We're in a culture of death. But God says, you can set it right. While there is still time, 
You can set it right. It makes us think of Paul. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Repent today. We don't know if we have tomorrow. So now is the time, and there is still time. Wash yourselves clean. Let us set things right. Though your sins be like scarlet, they may become white as wool. God has not gotten tired of forgiving you. He's not gotten tired of pointing out to us all the right path. And His power is not any less today than it ever has been to put us on that right path and keep us there. Again, I'm speaking of individuals. I'm also speaking of the nation. If He turns from the wickedness He has committed and does what is right and just, He shall preserve His life. The other scripture reminds me of besides Isaiah 1. is when Paul says, I give no thought to what lies behind, but what is ahead. I press on to that. You and I have the opportunity for a life of virtue. Now, when it comes to the past, not even God can change the past. We don't have to worry about changing the past. We have to worry about not letting the past drag us down now or predetermine what we're going to do today and tomorrow. We can do something different. We are free. This is the freedom that we have in Christ, not to write our own moral code or to throw out the commandments we don't like. The freedom we have is the freedom to do what is right. In other words, we've been enslaved to sin. Whoever sins is a slave to sin, Jesus says. Sin doesn't flirt with you. The devil's not not interested in flirting. Sin wants to own you. The devil wants to own you. And we're going to say no. We're not going to let the past determine what happens today. He may have enslaved us in the past. What habits do we have? What sins do we keep falling into? That we seem to fall into again and again and again. Can today be different? This is what these readings are telling us. Yes, it can. What the devil wants is that you stay stuck in the past, let the past determine the present, respond in the same way you always did, fall into the same sins you always fell into, and then on top of that, be discouraged and think, oh, I can't change. Or even if I try, God is not going to, He's not going to want me anymore. Let us be crystal clear here today. There is no such thing as I can't change, and there is no such thing as God won't want me anymore. There's no such thing. There is power today to turn away from our iniquities. Again, I'm speaking of individuals and of the nation. There is power today. There is the opportunity now to make it different. That's what freedom is. That's what freedom is. I remember a moment in my spiritual growth as a teenager. There were certain people I was always getting angry at. And then I regretted being feeling so angry and depressed about my angry reaction and just unsettled. You know, some people you just unsettled around. And I had this experience, and it was after I had started praying more, reading scriptures, of standing there one day and I remember, wait a minute. I don't have to respond the same way to these people as I've been responding in the past. I don't know, I don't have to be getting angry enough. Why why should they control how I feel and how I react? That later then I have to be distressed about how I reacted, not even about how they did. 
I don't have to do that. It was like an insight. It's like, wait a minute. How I'm going to respond now is up to me. Or, or think about it this way. When you get up in this, this, this morning, well, what were you thinking of when, when you got up? How did your day start? And who decides? Was, did somebody else decide how you were gonna, what you were going to be thinking of this morning or how you were going to feel? Maybe because of something they did yesterday, something they said yesterday, something they said last year? Did someone else decide? Or did you? Did someone drag you down with chains? I'm going to make sure that person feels depressed today. I'm going to make sure that person feels angry today. I'm going to make sure that person focuses on their failures today, not on their opportunities today to succeed. I'm going to make sure that person thinks about how bad this, this relationship is, or how threatening that financial situation is, or how hurtful this offense was that I did in the past, or how bad they themselves are for the sins that I'm going to remind them of or accuse them of. Did somebody else decide for you what you were going to think about today? Did somebody else decide for you how you were going to feel today? No, 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 no. No, no, no. We decide. This is the freedom in God's Spirit. And we decide if we're going to obey the moral law today. We decide if we're going to live up to the great law of love, forgiveness, Respect for life, courageously saying what must be said, doing what must be done, participating in the work of the kingdom. We decide. If he turns from the wickedness he has committed and does what is right and just, he shall preserve his life. Since he did what? Turned away. Now listen to this part of the verse. From all the sins that he committed. Now, Let's ask you a question here. Do I even know all the sins I committed? Do I know all the sins I am committing? Sometimes we have sins, but they kind of hide themselves from our consciousness because we're so used to them. We don't even think about them, but they're still sins. They're still doing harm, doing damage to ourselves and others around us. Do, can we even, if we had to make a list of all our sins, could, would we be able to succeed in, in doing that? I don't know. I don't think so. We make a list and then <laughs> tomorrow we oh, wait a minute, I forgot one thing on that list. And we forget things. So how can, how can we fulfill this verse in Scripture? Turn away from all the sins. All means without exception. How can we turn away from all our sins if maybe we don't even realize some of them? Or we've forgotten some of them. Some people, like those who are Catholics and go to confession, ask this question of me sometimes. How do I even remember what all my sins are? Okay, here's what I'm going to tell you about this. We remember what we remember. We can think about what we think about. We can be aware of what we are aware of. For those things that despite our best efforts we forget, for those things that, despite our sincere efforts, are somehow out of sight, the will goes where the mind cannot. That's the answer. In other words, when Scripture says you have to turn away from all your sins, it's not talking about the mind only. 
Yes, we remember what we remember when we think about the sins and we say, I am going to. We make a conscious, deliberate decision to turn away from them. Yes. But the mind sometimes, the mind is limited. The mind is going to forget certain things. But that doesn't mean they're not covered. That doesn't mean you haven't fulfilled this verse. Why? Because what the mind can't capture, the will captures. What do I mean by the will captures it? Because it's a decision you're making to turn away from all your sins. It's a decision you're making right now to say to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, uh, displease you in any way. That's my will. That's the choice I'm making. So that even if something new comes to my mind about a particular way of sin that I might be guilty of, I've already decided against it. You see where the will can go where the mind cannot? You make the will, you make your decision blanket everything. Lord, your will be done. We say it when we say your will be done. That means in the things I'm thinking about, the things I'm not thinking about, the things I remember from yesterday, or the things I'm not going to think about until tomorrow. Your will be done in everything. And that does it, that accomplishes it, because you're turning your will away from sin. The, let your will go, let your repentance go, where your mind cannot. And then you're turning away from all your sins. This applies on a national level, too. You know, we made a big turn with the, the ending of Roe v. Wade doesn't bring us, obviously, to the final victory. In fact, it just initiates another chapter of the war. But it's a big turn. When a nation can turn away from the myth that there's a constitutional right to kill babies, that's a big fulfillment of this scripture. Think of, of, of he, when it talks about he, the sinner, as the nation. If he turns from the wickedness he has committed and does what is right, he shall preserve his life. We've got a nation to save. Many of you are involved in the great election activities now and, and, the, and the great uh, movement of patriotism in, in America. We talk about that on a lot of our other programs. Hopefully you're signed up for our election training seminars at ProLifeVote.com. We've got a nation to save. And brothers and sisters, <laughs> our nation needs to turn away from the sin of abortion. It is, a, it is a sin. I mean, all sin is personal. That's why you got the letter I right in the middle of it, right? All sin is personal. It's what I did. But when lots of I's do something all together in the same place for a long time, it starts to shape a nation. And our nation has been shaped in the wrong way. It's been disfigured by abortion and by a lot of other sins. But the Roe v. Wade decision being obliterated and decimated from the judicial landscape, that is a big turning away from sin. The court repented. That was actually an act of repentance. Saying, we made a big mistake. We made a big mistake taking away, not recognizing that if the people want to protect these babies in the womb... They have every right to do so. So we've got to continue on that path. The whole nation needs to repent. We need to create a culture of life and public policies that reflect the law of God. These readings today are a tremendous encouragement and set a tremendous new hope for us. Brothers and sisters, as Paul said, 
Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Don't be burdened by the past. You need all the energy that you have, mental and physical and emotional, to do today the faithful work that needs to be done. Let's focus it that way. Let's focus it forward, not backwards, up, not down. And let's be proud of the good that we have been involved in up to now and that we collaborate in with so many other believers. Let's turn back to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do praise you for the virtuous acts that you have inspired in us in the past, starting with accepting the Lord Jesus by faith, receiving him in the sacraments, following his law, passing on that law to our neighbors, to our children, serving you in so many others, for many of us doing pro-life work, saving lives. We thank you for the good we have accomplished in the past. Lord, we press beyond what may have been wicked in the past. Any lack of faith, we turn away from that and now we, we believe. Any lack of courage, we turn away from that now and we are resolved to do the things we need to do, no matter how fearful we might be of them. We think of the silence in the past when we should not have been silent, and we turn away from that. We resolve to speak. We think of the various ways that we have hurt others or been slow to fulfill our responsibilities, and we turn away from that now, Lord, and we resolve to, to love, to serve, and to be, to be swift in fulfilling our responsibilities. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that no doubt you will continue to give us because your love does not run out. Thank you, Lord, and listen to all the prayers and intentions of those that are bringing their needs before you today. And we sum up all those needs and prayers in offering the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Well, friends, it's Life Chain Sunday. It's Respect Life Sunday. Many churches will be uh, talking about the uh, pro-life message today. I just want to, just let me add one more thought. It's not simply about the ethic. The ethic is we respect all life from conception and natural death. It's about the movement which is focused on one group of people. Of course, we believe in the sanctity of all life, but there is one group of people in danger, the children in the womb, more in danger than anyone else, from a very specific evil, which is abortion. In your praying and talking with others in the church or any observances for Respect Life Sunday or Respect Life Month that you're engaged in, please remind people of that, that this is a specific movement. Sometimes our movement gets diluted because we're forgetting that this movement arose because the unborn were deprived of their basic protection of life. We've got to restore that. Nobody can do everything all at once. That's ridiculous. 
we have the ethic, and some people are involved in soup kitchens or fighting against uh, poverty or, or feeding, the, feeding the hungry or improving conditions in jail cells. These are all pro-life things. But the pro-life movement, this is about saving the unborn from dismemberment, ending the violence of abortion. Let's stay focused. Let's stay focused without, without uh, diluting other issues. Let's not dilute this one. And uh, it's a pattern I always see, it's a concern I always have, that we right away, as soon as we start talking about abortion or the unborn or pro-life, we right away, it's like a knee-jerk reaction. Oh, but we got to include every issue. No, we don't. We got to have the right opinion about those issues. We have to be, 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 obviously, we love all life. But you know, it's like, you know what it's like, not to go on too long about this, so you're an employee of Delta Airlines, or you're, a, you're a, an administrator or an executive of Delta Airlines. It's not just that you're pro-transportation. You've got a company to promote. You're, you're, you're Delta Airlines. You're not going to say, all right, I'm, pro, I'm pro-transportation, so any airline you want to use. Uh, you, no, you're going to make a case why people should use yours. And in our case, when it comes to life, listen, there's nothing that takes more life than abortion, and there's no people in more danger, no more, nobody's more helpless than the baby in the womb. So keep the focus. Get, and I hope there are many Respect Life activities going on in your community. Today is Life Chain Sunday. Of course, 40 Days for Life. Yesterday I spoke at a kickoff for 40 Days for Life here in uh, Orlando. And um, much going on, a lot going on. Praise the Lord for that, but let's keep our movement focused. Okay, so thank you, brothers and sisters, and um, let's once again ask the Lord's blessing. Father, bless us as we go into this day, and keep us always close to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, talk to you again tomorrow. Have a great Lord's Day. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life, which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to prolifegift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much, and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.